Yes, indeed. The war goes on. Hey, let's pray. Father God, you are God. Let your will be done, O God, on earth, in and through us this day, as it's being done and declared in heaven, Lord God. We are your ambassadors on earth to do the will of the kingdom of God, because you are the Lord God, the captain of the host. So, Father, we ask you for direction today. We ask you for deliverance today. We ask you for the revelation of Jesus Christ today into the hearts and souls and minds and lives of thousands and millions of people who do not yet know you. Lord God, we ask for a great outpouring of your Spirit upon us, Lord God, as we've never seen before. We ask, Lord God, that you'd encourage the hearts of those who are downhearted and downcast. With those who feel like they're just in a corner, Lord, have nothing that they can do, Lord God, we praise you and thank you for the revelation of your love and truth, your anointing. We thank you, Father God, for the promises that you said, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Those are... um, Uh, commands. Those are giving us authority, Lord God, to do work on the behalf of the kingdom of God. Let us not fail to use these words, these gifts that you have granted us, Lord God. Let us not sink down into any kind of unbelief or, or despair, Father. We thank you again for the truth, as you've shown us many times in your word, even through the great characters of the Bible. Lord God, so today as we examine one of them, we ask that you would get uh, connect us with this man of old, that we will see our own selves, Lord God, as you have shown us him, and that we will be encouraged, Father. We ask for divine favor, blessing, and protection, especially as the promise that you've given us that no weapon formed against us will prosper, that these many various weapons that come against us on every high, uh, side and every avenue and every venue of our life, Lord, that they will be stopped, removed, uh, short-circuited, sent back, and that the protections of God will be upon us and upon our people, Father God, in Jesus' name. We ask for your wisdom. We ask for people to be able to see and hear and get this, Father God, as we ask you to anoint us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're looking at a situation here today, a man Mm -hmm. that called by God. And I just want to start out to say that everyone who's listening to this that knows Jesus has a special calling on their lives right? in the midst of these difficult days in which we're living. So mm-hmm. we're looking at today uh, a man named Gideon, and uh, we want to set the stage. In the book of Judges, chapter 6, uh, There's a, in the book of Judges, there are basically seven cycles of falling away from God, uh, being oppressed by their en- the mm-hmm. enemies of God, uh, and then finally, there are people crying out to God. There's repentance, and then there's deliverance, and they have peace for a while, and they get into the same cycle over and over again. One of these cycles is here in the book of uh, Judges chapter 6, where it says, Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. Mm-hmm. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made for themselves the dens, the caves, and the strongholds which are in the mountains. So they're basically having to hide out yeah, just to survive. And in and, and verse 3, so it was whenever Israel had sown, they planted their seed, the Midianites would come up, also the Amalekites and the people from the east would come up against them. So they're, they're turning away from the Lord uh, 
allowed the enemies to prevail Three against Three different him. camps coming against him. Right. And it's verse 4 of Judges 6. Then they would encamp against him and destroy the produce of the earth. So their crops, their gardens were being destroyed and leave no substance, sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents, coming as numerous as locusts, both they and their camels, were without number, and they would enter the land and destroy it. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. So this is this this is oppression. A to desperate the max. situation, right? In those days, economically, mm-hmm. spiritually, economically, emotionally, in every way, yeah. Israel was Oppressed. being trodden down. Oppressed and and feeling the pain of it with no food. Um, and, and the devastation of it, being surrounded by their enemies, being but, entrapped. But in, and then in the midst of this, they're crying unto the Lord, and there's an answer that comes. Strange, it, always strange. A strange answer, <laughs> the Lord, verse 8, that the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel, a man that was speaking the word of God to them. And he said, Thus says the Lord of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt, brought you out of the house of bondage, and delivered you into the hand of the out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of all who oppressed you. In other words, there's a history here. I've delivered you from your oppressors and drove them out before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, verse ten, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But you have not obeyed my voice. This is always the test whenever God allows his people to go into the midst of the pagans, the heathen, the idol worshipers. There's always, it seems like after a while, there's always a kind of a falling away and kind of being overcome by the gods of this world, by their philosophies, by their um, traditions, by their ways of doing things. And so the children of Israel were again being enticed, seduced, and swallowed up. And every time that happened, there was a judgment and they became oppressed. It's almost like you'd think after a while they'd learn the lesson. However, I think it's each new generation kind of has to learn the same lesson. It's not just the same people learning the same lesson over and over. Well, it was interesting. The book of Judges, you know, the Joshua's generation was a, venera- a generation of victory. Right. Joshua and Caleb, they came in, they mm-hmm. obeyed the Lord. Joshua succeeds Moses. And uh, they, he's the leader of the people coming in and conquering the pagans in, in, the, in the promised mm-hmm. land. But that generation is now past. That generation is past. And it says there in the beginning part of Judges, it says there rose another generation that did not know the Lord. Mm-hmm. And they did not know uh, the mighty works that God had done in the past. Right. So, you know, God, the old saying that God has no grandchildren uh, you have one generation that are victory and victorious and powerful. The next generation is just falling away again and again and again. Well, I think we're, we're kind of at that place now where, um, you know, the Joshua generation had seen the, the Jordan open up. They'd seen the Jericho, the walls fall down. Uh, the ones before them, Moses' generation had seen the Red Sea open up. And here we have these people who have no um, record of any great things God has done. They maybe were told some of these things, but it didn't become, it wasn't very impressive to them. And so they, and that's where we are today. We have a, a generation of people actually 
the, the ones that are young now and in their 30s, 40s, they have not seen or heard even the true testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it has been so corrupted and so counterfeited and so muted uh, by everybody seeking after the ways of the world. And that's really where we are today. And we have fallen away. We have, we have, and, and the oppression has come. Uh, people say the plagues are coming, the famines are coming, the shortages of food will be coming. And so the thing is, um, we're right there. We're right there in, in a parallel situation today with uh, the way it looks in our country, in our world, actually. Yeah, well, the culture, you know, there's, we have this phrase now, cancel culture mm-hmm. uh, in, our, in our country here. Um, but what happened is that there was the, the, the paganism, the antichrist spirit of the culture just was kind of... Canceling out the, re- canceling the revelation out, of God. Canceling mm-hmm. out the revelation of God. In their hearts and their spirits. So the, 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 the paganism, the culture, the we could say in our day, the, Indifference the and, entertainment, mm-hmm. the uh, falling uh, churches that are apostate, falling away, have, have uh, basically overwhelmed mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. Our educationalists overwhelmed, overwhelmed people with a, uh, a culture that is against the Lord and, and against his word. And it seems like here's the parallel because Gideon was threshing wheat in the wine press in order to hide from the Midianites. In other words, he's trying to harvest some wheat in a wine press. So obviously the, the wine presses have hard, t- tall sides. So it's like you're hiding in this big oversized like bucket. Like a box, like, yeah. a, like a, probably a stone hi- or a wooden to box. To try to thresh out this grain and hiding, actually, it says, hiding from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Whoa, what? So, so God has saw a man. See, I know Gideon didn't think much of himself. Obviously, we'll see that in a second. But the the, the angel said, the angel of the Lord said, "You mighty man of valor." And and <laughs> interesting here, the people oh, there. We read earlier they're hiding in holes and in caves and, and dens, caves, mm-hmm. and Gideon is is hiding out. People are just well. Actually, he's trying. probably less hiding than the rest of them. So well, he's yeah, still he's hiding, but he's maybe the man. Of, yeah, he's but, trying to trying to uh, thresh out some grain to have so something. So he to eat. did not pick himself out to be a man of valor. He was just doing what he had to do that ordinary day, hoping to God that he wouldn't get killed threshing out the grain and that he'd get to hide it before they found him. So Gideon said, um, "Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us?" And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. So in other words, they're looking at this whole situation backwards. They're blaming God for not keeping on with the big miracles, with the big uh, you know, deliverances and things. But they had failed, failed, failed to obey, follow, and, and do what he had said to do, keep the commandments, so that that's why they had lost their um, strength, their anointing, their edge, so to speak. Remember back in Jericho, the people of Jericho back in the day were terrified of the children of Israel because they were coming after them because they had heard about the Red Sea. Even the pagans were were terrified. And now they've lost all of this edge. Nobody's afraid of them. Nobody's afraid to oppress them. It's just like today in the church. Nobody's afraid to oppress the church. Nobody's afraid to... Um, to come after them because they look to be very weak, very dis- destroyed, very scattered, very uh, uh, inconsequential. Yeah, and we talk about you know the good old days, and and Gideon had uh, heard 
He'd heard about these miracles. Right. He'd heard about the Red Sea opening, the manna. He'd heard about all this. He says, we've, we've heard about these great things, God. So he had that in his mind. But he said, now those things are all gone. Mm-hmm. He asked two questions. He says, why are we under such oppression? Mm-hmm. And where are the miracles? Right. Why and where? Well, you know what? Here we are right now today, this very place. Why are we under such oppression? And where are the miracles? And here's the problem. When we lose confidence in God, we lose confidence in ourselves. When we are exampling con- mm-hmm. la- la- less, oh, I can't talk, loss of confidence in ourselves, you know, a lack of confidence in ourselves, when we're feeling... Uh, angry and upset because we don't feel like we're able to come against our enemy with any kind of victory or hope, then we really the root problem for our loss of confidence in ourselves is our loss of confidence in God. Exactly. And when when we lose confidence in where are the miracles, where is his mighty works, where is his deliverance, where are the answers to prayer, where are the healings, we become bitter against God, or tempted to be, actually tempted. We not don't have to become bitter, but we become tempted by the enemy to become bitter against God because he's not there for us. But we've not looked deeper into the root of why he's not there. The why here is in the first verse of Judges chapter 6, then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. Right. This is what happens. They turned away right. from the Lord. Mm-hmm. They did evil in the sight of the Lord. Well, this... And that, it's automatically. Yeah. It's the same way today that if you turn, you and I turn away from the Lord, we open ourselves to evil oppression of all kinds in mm-hmm. our minds, in mm-hmm. our hearts, in our behavior. Uh, the, the, culture, the culture gets all defiled mm-hmm. and oppressive and... Uh, and just the evil, evil multiplies and evil right. uh, really penetrates us when we turn our hearts away from the Lord. Then life becomes difficult. It becomes up to you. It becomes all about witchcraft. It becomes all about it. I've got to do this myself. So Gideon was kind of in that place. He was, I'm sure, uh, one of the younger men. He was doing his job. But he wasn't very happy, and he was very sure that God had left them. Why had God left? Where were the miracles? This is a, this is a question now. Why, why are we asking these questions? Or why do because because we have fallen away from God, and we have not yet come back to God by reckoning or realizing what has happened. Actually, the angel of the Lord spoke to him. Now, very likely, this is Jesus Christ Himself, pre-incarnate, the Word. Mm-hmm. You know, it, not. An angel, it's probably the angel of the Lord, an appearance, a God appearance, let's put it that way. Um, he's with you. And he, interesting, God saw him differently than Gideon saw himself. Gideon certainly did not think, oh, I'm this mighty man of valor. He says, he's, he's afraid, just yeah, trying to survive like everybody else. But God sees him as a mighty man of valor, a man of courage. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is how he picks I, his people. This is how God yeah. picks his people. Verse 14, then the Lord turned to him and said, go in the midst of, in the might, go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So God is saying, the reason you're going to defeat them is because I have sent you. So he, Gideon said to the Lord, oh Lord, how can I save Israel? Now he'll look into what, how he sees himself, his identity. Indeed, my clan is, is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least of my father's house. 
He says, so he, basically, like, we're nobodies. We're and I'm the nobodies. least of the nobodies. I'm the bottom yeah. of the rung here. And the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. So he's he's reconfirming his call to Gideon. It reminds me of, you know, God's called many people. Uh, for example, Moses. Moses didn't want to go. Who am I? Send somebody else. You know, Mary, the mother of God, thy will be done, but who am I? You know, it's kind of like... Okay, we, we're not ready. We're not prepared to be the one God calls. We're really not. We're shocked with that because our, there's too much self in the way. There's too much, uh, you know, his concept, Gideon's concept of himself was that he was the least. He was a nobody. He had no strength and no authority. But then uh, he said, um, then he said to God, he said to the Lord, if now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who talk with me. So Gideon's starting to figure this out, that this is something pretty big, a uh, big deal, but he wants a little bit of a reassurance. So he says, stay here until I go fix some lunch for you. So this is kind of a typical way when people, strangers would come, that you'd run off and kill the goat and make the broth and bake the bread with, you know, and, and hurry up and feed them. Then Gideon went and prepared the young goat and the leaven, unleavened bread, didn't have time for it to rise. <laughs> And when he brought it back, then the angel of the Lord said to him, Take the meat, the unleavened bread, and lay them on the on the rock, and pour out the broth. And he did so. And the angel of the Lord put out the end of the staff that was in his hand, and touched the meat and the unleavened bread. And fire rose out of the rock, and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. Now notice, a lot of times these guys have staffs. They have a rod. Moses had a rod. Here's where we see another rod. A rod is a sim- symbol of authority mm-hmm. and power. And um, so, and I think, uh, wasn't it also, yeah, I, I'm not sure if Elijah had a rod, but it, it seems like these rods is, are the, the, the sign, the symbol of a scepter, of an authority. And so he consumed the offering, didn't eat it, and he consumed, and the fire rose out of the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. And, and Gideon goes, whoa. And Gideon <laughs> perceived that he was in the, he was the angel of the Lord. So, wow, you got that. Then the Lord said to him, peace be to you and do not fear. You shall not die. So here, Gideon is in the presence of God. I'm sure one of the things that crossed his mind was, oh my God, I'm going to die. What's going to happen here? Because he was starting to get this, that this is an awesome God, the greatest power in the universe who's just communicating with him. And is this real? Um, and, and that's part of the problem too. Is, is this a vision? Is this, am I hearing from God? Is this really God? I, it's, it's okay. We have, uh, you know, we don't have to question God, but we will because obviously that's something that's got to be solved and settled. Is it doubt coming in? Am I just having a, uh, you know, is this a real vision? Is this a real direction? Is this a real prophecy from God? Is this a real word from God? Then the Lord said to him, peace be to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. So fear has got to be dealt with. So, so it's interesting here, too, that God is speaking to Gideon kind of step by step here. Mm-hmm. He kind of says, hey, you're going to destroy the He's Midianites. walking him out of this you got, You've got this great calling. I'm <clears throat> going to work through you powerfully. But he says, take these particular steps. Mm-hmm. And the Bible says that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. So Yeah, so we got to rejoice in that God is leading. And he had to get encouraged by that, too. And then he said, um, "God." So, so Gideon built an altar there to the Lord, which is often what they would do. An altar is a place of rededication, a place of commitment or a place of conversion, a place of repentance, a place of confession, a place of rededicating, reestablishing the covenant through the altar. And he, so he built an altar there to the Lord. Who knows how long an altar had been built to the Lord. And he called it the Lord Shalom or the, the Lord of Peace 
to this day, that altar is still there as a as a memorial. So a lot of times, there's a memorial, there's a, a evidence left behind to prove, prove, prove that this really happened. You know, there's a mark in the tree where we carved in our you know little heart where we said we love one another. There's a mark. There's a, me- a memorial left to it. And so now it came to pass that the night that the Lord said, "Now here's the big assignment. Here's the hard part." God says, "Here's what I want you to do." Um, at night, the Lord said to him, take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal that is in your father's house that your father has and cut down the wooden image that is beside it and build an altar to the Lord, your God, on top of this rock for in, in the proper arrangement. And take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image which you shall cut down. So he's saying, <laughs> okay, you're going to go totally against your father's house. Ooh. You have been bullied all your life. You've been put in a corner. You're the smallest, the youngest. Nobody listens to you. You know, you get the, the junk jobs, you know, go chaff out, work out the, the, the wheat in the, in the well. You're going to, that's a sweaty, sticky, icky job. And then, but, but now God says, okay, go take that favorite bull, the second bull. You know, they have to have two in a team. If you take one out, your oxen team is wrecked. Pull out that bull and cut him up and, and put him on this rock and put the wood from the, so you're going to knock down that image. You're going to burn it, chop it up, burn it, use it for firewood to, to sacrifice this bull. This is no small thing, people. This is like God asking you to, to stand up and declare the truth in the midst of uh, whatever oppression you might be fearing you're going to run into. And I'm sure Gideon had all that in his mind. What is going to happen here? No, because he's tearing down his father's idol. Okay. Notice his father had also, Joash had also gone off to be with the enemy. I mean, in his mind and heart anyway. What would be the application Gideon, today, Marjorie, about tearing down our father's idols? Well, There had to be the tearing down of the idol in order to establish the altar to the Lord. Well, I think a lot of people, for example, if you've been being groomed by your parent to be a great corporate executive or you've been being groomed to be a farmer, been groomed to anything, and all of a sudden you're turning against all of your, you know, okay, so you're being sent to college to get a good job, and all of a sudden you're, you're dropping out of college because the Lord called you and your your father's mad at you or, you know, whatever. The, the whole society is thinking, what is wrong with you? You've lost your mind. And even nowadays, how easy it is to go along with the little things that they comp- compel you to do, the mandates that they're putting upon us, that you're just going along with it and there's just a subtle kind of drifting into a place of imprisonment, a place a place of actual end, ending destruction. But here's the deal. God is not dead. God is not done. God is not finished with what he's going to do in this earth. If God were done and dead and finished, then we're also finished. Now, we have believed God, and God's word is the same yesterday, today, and forever, as is he. And so we will see yet God stand up and call uh, people who are righteous, small, insignificant. Un- he says he uses the foolish things to confound the wise, the things that are not to bring to naught, the things that are. So don't despise yourself for crying out loud, and don't lose your confidence in God. Because God, you know, if, if you're feeling in unable, insignificant, uh, fa- like a failure, uh, like you don't have the capability, don't have the, uh, you don't have the authority, you don't have the uh, power, you don't have any uh, um, influence, all these things, and you're, you're really then angry because you don't like yourself like that because you're, gr- you're built by God. We're built by God to be great, to do great things because God is great. We're made in the image of God. That's our first and divine nature. And so when you see yourself fumbling around, failing, being taken for advantage of, uh, caving in, really caving into the lies 
that his, his dad caved in. He put the idol in his house. Okay, but here's the interesting part. So when you do this, Abraham did this too. He did the same thing. He took the, he, he chopped down 12 idols in his father's house and, you know, they were going to kill him. And then the dads kind of wake up about that point. Well, what am I going to have here? Am I going to sacrifice my son and give him off to the altar of disobedience and kill him because he chopped down an idol? But this is, um, um, so the men of the city rose early in the morning and they saw what had done. The Baal altar torn down, the wooden image, uh, cut down, the bull being, being was in the middle. They were in the process of offering this sacrifice. They got caught red handed. And they said to one another, who's done this? Then they, and, and remember, um, Gideon actually had called 10 of his servants, so he can't be that poor and broke, to um, help him do this task because that's a lot of stuff to do in one night. You know, go get the, get the bull, kill it, chop it up, you know, get the idol, chop it a down. A lot of work. And he, he's called, oh, anyway, uh, so, so um, hewer of wood, I think that's the, the meaning of Gideon's name. So they came and said, who has done this? And when they had re- re- inquired and asked, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this. Then the men of the city said to Joash, the dad, bring out your son that he may die because he has torn down the altar of Baal and because he has cut down the wooden image that has been beside it, was beside it. So all these men are putting pressure on Joash now to kill his son. What friends, what a lovely community. The minute you stand up for righteousness or your son stands up for righteousness, they want to you're, kill you. you're, in, you're put in position, to, am I going to defend my son or am I going to defend the lies, lies that we have been forced to uh, bow down to? So he said, here's what Joash says. He said, uh, so to all those who stood against him, here's the question. Would you plead for Baal? Would you save him? Let the one who would plead for Baal be put to death by morning. And if he is a God, let him plead for himself because he, his altar has been torn down. He says, let Baal stand up for himself. If you, why are you going to take and defend Baal? He can't even stand up. He can't talk. He can't walk. You have to carry him. He's your idol, remember? This is so foolish. People in the old days, they had these wooden idols, these charms, these, you know, whatever they did. And they had to carry it around. This thing was supposed to be doing powerful work for you, but you had to carry it. It couldn't even talk. It couldn't see. It couldn't walk. He says, um, so therefore on that day, he called him Jeroboam saying let Baal plead against him because he has torn down his altar. So let Baal stand up for himself if he's real. Then we see here, right? When you're at the place of really taking a stand for the Lord, you know, coming against idols in your life or in your father's or in the life, society, in your society, that's when the enemy is going to come against you. Verse 33 uh, then all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east gathered together and they crossed over and encamped uh, in the valley of Jezreel. So so here we have the problem and here we have an interesting situation. So Joash has just stood up for his son. His son got Gideon, got to live, a good thing because he's going to be one that God's going to use to defeat the enemy. This is one the townspeople were going to kill again like Jesus and he's the very one God is going to use to defeat the enemy. But now in the process, as you just read, the Midianites, the Amalekites were gathering together uh, and the people from the east to cross over to encamp against Jezreel. Yeah. And uh, but but then but, you know, I like the buts of the Bible, mm-hmm. but the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. OK, so then he blew the trumpet and be the probably the ram's horn and the Abbas writes. Abba's rights, it's a little hard to say, gathered behind him. That's his family. That's the people that he's part of. Um, and he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, all who gathered behind him. 
who also gathered behind him. He also sent messengers to Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, these other tribes, and they came up to meet them. So so he's blowing the trumpet. He's calling to arms. There's a yep, certain blast great. of the trumpet, mm-hmm. which means it's a call to arms. It's a gathering of the people. Okay, so now Gideon is he's basically moving in the authority that God has given him. So he says, I'm not going to just do it all by myself. Right, he can't. He says, you're going to, God told Gideon, you're going to smite the Midianites as one as one man. man. Mm-hmm. So you're going to overwhelm them. But you got people here now that are gathering to uh, come against them. And then, as an army. And, and then uh, Gideon is still but, a little doubtful yes, about this. Yes. And so Gideon said to God, uh, verse 36, if you have will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, Look, I put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there's dew on the fleece only and is dry on the ground, then you shall know. Then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. So, and so it was when he rose early in the morning, the next morning, and squeezed together the fleece together. He wrung the dew out of the fleece in a bowl full of water. And then he says again, "Well, don't be angry with me, Lord. <laughs> Let me speak just once more. Let me test. I pray." just once more with the fleece, and now let it be dry only on the fleece, but on the ground let there be dew. And so God did so that night. It was dry on the fleece, but there was dew on all the ground. So he's looking for confirmation. And sometimes people, what about today, Marjorie, when, you know, uh, we've heard Christians say, I'm putting out a fleece before mm -hmm, the Lord. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, There's a... What about that? Is well, that is that something good, I, or is I, it something that we really don't need? Well, I don't recommend it actually, because I mean I know Gideon did it, and it was he, God was ma- patient with him, I guess you'd say. Yes. But when you put out some sort of fleece like that before the Lord, how do you know the devil is not going to go and mess with that fleece and get you to believe a wrong thing? Uh, you know, what if the enemy would have messed with the fleece and did exactly the opposite of what Gideon had said? You know, let it be wet, let it be dry, and 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 it flip flopped, and Satan had so to confuse Gideon. So I think fleeces uh, are, you know, uh, they can do as much harm as good because you say, well, if I see a a license plate number with the name God on it, then I'll know that I'm supposed to do whatever, whatever, right. you know. Or if I, you know, when I come home today and I find the cat sitting on the door on the threshold of the door, then I'll know what I should do. You know, this is kind of not. This is witchcraft. Don't do that. Don't even do that. If if you, you know, God has other ways, better ways to con- to confirm His word to you through His word, through His Spirit. Uh, maybe through the and even sometimes, you know, um, the 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 voices of the prophetic people are not good uh, indicators of whether or not you should do something. Because a lot of the times the prophets are not they're not prophesying don't, according to God. Don't, don't there are false prophets. Don't depend just on the word of, of a someone prophet. else or someone God else. God yeah. speaks to. We're in the New Testament here. We are to be filled with the Spirit, led by the Spirit going according to the Word of God and what He puts in our hearts. Now, God can bring a word to us through a genuine prophet. But the Bible says we're to, we're to test prophecies. We're to prove them. Mm-hmm. We're to not just swallow everything that somebody says, thus saith the Lord. Right. And it might, might be just thus saith yeah, the enemy. And, you know, it might be thus saith this, you know, 
person. That's, yeah, their spirit. Their but the spirit. thing is, the thing is, nowadays, you know, Jesus said, "Do not be deceived. In the last days, there will be many coming in my name, saying, He's over there. He's over here. Many false prophets, many false teachers, many angels of light." Many come who minister as ministers of righteousness who are, are not. They're, they're false light. They're antichrist spirits. And it's Jesus said, by their fruits you shall know them. So we have to watch the fruit on these people that you've been following, that you've been listening to as prophets, as teachers. Look at the fruit of their life. Now, most of them have been around for quite a long time. Look at how they treat their wives. Look at how they treat their children. Look at how, how the, what they do with their money. Look how they spend their money. Look how they treat people yes. behind the scenes when nobody's looking. Uh, there was a man one time, um, you know, he was a great, pretty great man in our locality. He'd done a lot of evangelistic stuff. And well, I'll tell you his name. His name is Lowell Lundstrom. And so we were introduced to him kind of indirectly through various ways. And I thought to myself, is he a great man of God? You know, and I, you know, of course, everybody would ask that, but everybody would say, well, of course he is. And one day we were with him and he, we were walking through a parking lot and he picked up a piece of litter that was on the parking lot floor. I don't know if it was a cup or a gum wrap or whatever. He just picked it up. No one was, you know, he told him to do it. And I thought, yes, he's a great man of God. Because you yes. know what? He, th- that little thing that he was he, he was not inattentive to made me convinced. But so the thing is, look at the fruit of these people's lives. Look at how they treat one another. Um, and, and, and then from there determine, because you do not want to follow a false prophet because then you're going to be following the Pied Piper and he is going to mislead you. And this is where people are today. They are following, they're, they're looking for a leader. We're vulnerable because we're looking for leaders. And I'm not saying we don't have some good leaders in the midst of us. I'm not saying we have, and I'm not saying we don't have some terrible leaders in the midst of us because we have both. But the thing is, you have to give account to God for yourself, what you're going to, um, uh, who you're going to follow. And the thing is, Paul said, Apostle Paul said, be a follower of me as I am of Christ. Be an imitator of me as I am of Christ. Follow me. And so the thing is, why Paul could say that is he could say that because he knew who he was. But they maybe didn't know who he was. He knew he in his heart he was after God. He was following God. God was talking to him. God was leading him. God showed him things that were divinely, you know, given to him. Like for example, when he was about to go on that shipwreck, he, God said appeared to him said, "None of the souls on this ship will be lost, but you will basically have a shipwreck." Um, and so things like that. But but he said, "Be a follower of me as I am of Christ." And you know what? If you know that you know Christ. And you know that that's your heart, that's your desire. God is faithful to you. You're listening to the Spirit, walking in the Spirit. Then you can say that to others, but they still need to know that that's true, that that's who you are. But for all of us, follow Christ. You have the same Holy Spirit that these great people, supposedly, that you're following have. So follow the Holy Spirit. You say, well, I don't know how to follow the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is inside of us right now. And he, he wants us to walk in the Spirit as opposed to the flesh. The flesh is the is the soul connected with the body. Both the soul and the body are weak. This, the body is vulnerable and it needs things, you know, food, water, shelter, whatever. And and the soul is programmed by the, the, the things that we've experienced in the pit. And most of the things we've experienced in the pit are reality, but not the truth. They're a lie. And so we're using those old those old uh, experiences to try to define what I should do and where I should go and figure this out and figure that out. And all. And there's so much out there that is wrong right now with the church and the way the church uh, teaches people what to do and how to figure things out and how to get accountable and be accountable to everybody. And, and you know, you know all of these things are just really reduced down to work, labor, and, and, and frustration and stress. But God is a God of peace. 
rest. So if what you're discerning reduces down to rest, peace, and God's got this, then it's a good thing. So, um, so Gideon didn't know all that stuff, but the Bible says, walk in the spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So walking in the Holy Spirit, the spirit, his spirit, it says, bears witness with our spirit. So let his spirit bear witness with your spirit today. And Father God, as we just look to you, we're going to have to finish Gideon next week. But as we look to you, Lord God, for teaching us how to walk in the spirit, to not be uh, afraid, to not lose our confidence in you and then lose our confidence in ourselves because you are our confidence, Lord, knowing that you love us, knowing you're faithful, knowing who you are, knowing that you're God, knowing that you haven't changed, knowing that you still do miracles, knowing that this is this world is not too big for you. And as a matter of fact, it's not even hardly a problem because you call this earth, people, nations, dust in the balance. And so, Lord God, we thank you for giving us a, do, a new day of reassurance and confidence in you, that we will have confidence in ourselves, that we'll be able to obey you in the little things, the big things, and, ta- and take a stand against unrighteousness, stand in having done all to stand, Father, that we will not be uh, become angry with ourselves because we've succumbed to the intimidations and the bullying and the threats of those around us who are actually going into perdition, actually going into judgment, and we will not follow them, Father, in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for each one that's listening here. Lord, I thank you for the calling on each of their lives, Lord that you're speaking to them right now, that they, they've sometimes been at the place of just surviving, just trying to do the job, do the kids, and all this stuff. And that's an important part of ministry. But, Lord, you've got mighty works prepared for those yes, who Jesus. are seeking you, who are those who are following you. Lord, we just take away the spirit of the lying thing of the enemy that says that we're in, insignificant, that we're nothing, that, yeah. we're nothing mm-hmm. that we can't do this. We're too weak, we're too young, we're too old, we're too... Uh, we failed too many times. Uh, ...untalented mm-hmm. or, or whatever. Take away Jesus, all those excuses. And Lord, Fill your people may with your spirit. those listening Hallelujah. to us today uh, see themselves yes. more in yes. the way that you see them mm-hmm. as mighty men and women of valor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.